The Spiel is sponsored by TimeWellSpent.org. Who would like to remind you that any time spent playing games is time well spent. From their padded cell in downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, this is The Spiel. Episode 36, Gen Con 2007, Part 2. So hello there and welcome to The Spiel. My name is Stephen Conway. And I'm David Coulson. And we are reporting back here with part two of our Gen Con 2007 coverage. Uh, part one was interview festorama, you know, <laughs> just amazing numbers of interviews with with a wide variety of, of game vendors and artists and people from around the, the uh, Gen Con convention here. Hopefully by now you're going, I have to go to Gen Con next <laughs> year. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, we we want to give you a good reporting out on on not just Gen Con but but game conventions in general too, and and the kind of wacky, interesting people you're going to meet. You know, it's going to be always be a different mix, even from year to year. No matter whether it's Gen Con or any any convention, you're going to get a really interesting mix of people, and and hopefully we'll encourage you to stop by some of the smaller booths too, and and get to see what they have to offer, as well as the big boys that you're always salivating to see. Oh, what do they yeah. have? latest so now that we're done with the interviews we've got more a uh, more personal account from from dave and i as far as what we've been up to and what we thought was was interesting about the con this year so we thought we were done with the interviews when we said part one was all interviews and part two was going to be just us but we were a little wrong on that wow did we go interview crazy or what holy cow well it just goes to show how big and massive the dealer's right, room was exactly. and, you know we'd we'd rather err on the side of providing you with a little more content than Absolutely. less if we think it's interesting you know exactly. hopefully if you guys are bored to tears you'll let us know and we'll right. change our attitude perhaps a little bit but Hopefully you'll enjoy this this second slate of interviews <laughs> exactly. um, that we'll throw in here as a kind of bonus feature for uh, for part two of our Gen Con coverage. Excellent. So excellent. Here goes. So I'm here at the Slugfest Games booth with uh, Jeff Batone. And Jeff, what's new with uh, Slugfest and, and what do you have to offer? Tell our listeners about what you have here. All right, well, um, this year at Gen Con, we're actually debuting two new games that have been very long in the process of getting published. And I think our fans are going to be really excited about uh, these two new games. Uh, the first game we have is our, actually, it's our first board game. And it's called Tiki Mountain. Uh, the basic premise is there's this Polynesian island in the South Pacific. On that island's a volcano. Inside the volcano is an angry volcano god. He's going to erupt and destroy the island unless he gets a sacrifice. And so you and your friends are racing up the side of the mountain to be the first to hurl yourself in the volcano, <laughs> appease his wrath, save the island, and live on in song and story forever. <laughs> That's great. And your friends get to go surfing and raise a big statue in your honor, so it's a win-win. <laughs> um, our other game, which has been we've been waiting to come out for like five years now, and I'm very excited that it's out, it's called Red Dragon Inn. The basic premise of the game is that you are a fantasy adventurer, and you've been in the dungeon all day killing monsters and taking their stuff. Now you're back in town, you're healed up, you're cleaned up, and you're in your favorite watering hole, the Red Dragon Inn, 
and you're going to spend the night drinking, gambling, and roughhousing, and the last person conscious with money is going to win. <laughs> so uh, it's it's the great thing about Red Dragon Inn is there's four decks. Uh, each deck is a character. So there's Deirdre, the Elven Priestess, Gurky, the Halfling Thief, Fiona, the Female Warrior, and Zot, the Wizard, who has a psychotic rabbit familiar named Pookie, who gets drunk and bites people. <laughs> And uh, so we're, we're actually planning an expansion for that, I think, next year or the year after, which is going to be four new characters that you can play on your own or combine for insane eight-person games of crazy. So. Uh, it's a card game as opposed to Tiki Mountain. It's a board game, Yes, correct? it is. It is, in fact, a card game. It's not a board game. The only board game we have right now is Tiki Mountain. Okay. Um, so uh, I don't know if you have any questions relating to the games or... Yeah, I was going to ask about uh, the, the thing that I think is the most appealing about Red Dragon Inn is that you've sort of made a game out of the kind of meta game that if anybody's role-played, you have those times where, you know, your adventurers have come back to the to the inn and things and you've managed to find a way. Is that sort of... How, how did you come up with the idea for the game? You said it's been long in development. Yeah. To me, it seems like it must have come out of some of that experience in role-playing to some extent. Yeah, it was actually... I was part of a game company originally, uh, and they had this game called called Bludgeons and Flagons, <laughs> which was they had said, let's make a game about a big bar fight. And we actually wound up getting the rights for the game from them. They were very nice in giving it to us. And we started playing around with it. And we're like, you know, I don't, I don't really like the idea of people slugging it out in, in a tavern. Like, I don't know. It's not appealing to me. Yeah. And we started to play with the characters. And we started to develop their personalities. And, and then it turned into, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, new concept. These guys are all friends. And it's a typical thing. There's always a little bit of the backstabbing, even in the party of the heroes who like one another. And what do they always do? In between adventures, they always get drunk and waste all their money so that they have to go on another adventure to get more money. It's this vicious cycle. So we just started to build up on that and play around. Like, if you look at the decks, each deck has their own personality with their own things that they can do. And we really, it's kind of frightening how well we know the characters in the game. And so I think people are going to see a lot of familiar fantasy tropes, which is one of the things that I think makes the game so appealing. I, I would totally agree. Um, now, both uh, Red Dragon Inn and Tiki Mountain, um, they're available now. And how much do they cost? Well, uh, they are just off the boat from China. They were scanned by Homeland Security, so they're free of any explosive devices as far as we know. That's good to know, um, I they, suppose. Our distributors should be getting them later in the month uh, of August 07, and they're $35 a piece. Okay. So um, they should be getting to gaming stores real soon, and if your gaming store doesn't carry them, please ask them to, because <laughs> that would be great. Now, I know uh, On Guard is one of your older older titles. We yes. have a lot of fun with that at our annual pirate party and Excellent. dueling <laughs> with our pirate hats. Um, what, <laughs> what other titles uh, um, does Slugfest have that might not be fresh off the boat? Okay, well, we have On Guard. As you mentioned, it's our cinematic fencing game. Um, a lot of our game ideas come from watching movies obsessively. One other game in that line is Kung Fu Fighting, which... You pretty much tell by the title what it is uh, we watched hundreds of hours of kung fu movies and we put every single trope from every movie we could cram into this card game into a card game for people for your listeners who've actually played on guard it's a similar mechanic um, if you've played one game you actually already know how to kind of play the other one. Oh, nice yeah the big difference is in on guard there's a lot of the back and forth back and forth which is the fencing right um, on uh, kung fu fighting rather is actually much more like the movies where you throw everything you have at the guy <laughs> and he either blocks it or laughs at you or you kick him through a wall <laughs> yeah, um, the last game that we have is called fishing for terrorists and it can be easily described as go fish but with terrorists <laughs> and that is absolutely mechanically nothing like any of our other games but it was something we put together and we had a lot of fun making it so. 
Well, it sounds like a very, very, very varied lineup of, yeah. of games. <laughs> and uh, uh, any plans for the future or things that you want to talk about in terms of uh, you mentioned the expansion for Red Dragon Inn? Anything yes. on the on the boards uh, that isn't out yet? That uh, yeah, uh, we have a couple things that I can I can I'm allowed to talk about <laughs> without being killed. Um, one is next year we're hoping to have an expansion for Kung Fu Fighting called More Kung Fu Fighting, um, which. <laughs> which allows for even more insane attacks and team play, so you can be a team of martial artists versus another team of martial artists. Oh, that's fun. Um, as I said, there's... Um, is, it no is it normally a two-player sort of game? Or? All of our ga virtually all our games are from two to six players. Okay. Uh, the original Kung Fu is every person for themselves, so this will be like, okay, my, my school of Kung Fu is stronger <laughs> than your school of Kung Fu, let's fight, kind of thing. Um, uh, Red Dragon Inn is basically, the second set is going to be a complete game in its own right. It'll have four new characters. Um, you can mix and match between sets. We've playtested extensively. Everything works. And we're really excited. The art is about, I would say, 60% done on that. So that should be out next year sometime. Um, the other thing that is on the cusp of the horizon that I feel comfortable talking about now is we have a game using a mechanic similar to Kung Fu Fighting in Unguard set in the Old West in a saloon right after the poker game that goes really bad. <laughs> so guns come out, and so I'm pretty excited about that. That sounds really, that sounds cool too. I mean, interesting how you can take that dual idea of a duel and set it in a different historical sort of time period and, and end up with a different game out of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we don't, we don't want to just keep churning them out. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's basically, it's like, we, do we have a really cool idea for this? Yes, we do. Okay, we'll do it. Yeah. But, you know, let's do it with, one thing we had was Medieval Knights, and we can't think of a good way to do it. Mm, That's different yeah. from the other games, so we're like, you know what? Never mind, let's do the, the Old West one instead. So. <laughs> well, where can people find you uh, online if they're looking for you? Uh, well, you can look for us at our website, www.slugfestgames.com. And if you're interested in ordering our games online, uh, we are distributed through Paizo. So go to paizo.com, okay. and you can order our games from there. Great. Well, thanks very much, Jeff. All right, well, thanks for having me. Good luck. Thank you. So I am here at the Strategic Retreat Adventures booth with Kimberly Maida, and rather than try to explain what it is that you do in a nutshell, I think I should just turn the mic over to you and, and let you haul forth and tell us all about what it is that you do. Well, thank you. Well, what I'm doing is I'm doing a gamer cruise. What we're doing is in 2008, we were taking gamers to the Mexican Riviera and or the Caribbean, and we game at our days at sea, and we get off and intimidate other countries, and we get back on. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of fun. The prices are really good. A lot of people are spending more for their hotel than what I'm going to give them on board seven days on a ship. Wow. Um, to go to the Caribbean, it's $630 a person. It includes your food. Think of open gaming with free food 24-7. <laughs> it's awesome. But um, what we do is we it does include all of your accommodations, your meals. We're going to give you a cocktail party so we can all get to know each other. Okay. We're going to have... Um, a big kind of drawing. We're going to be giving away uh, extra shipboard credit. We're going to be giving away t-shirts. We're going to be giving away board games. Actually, somebody's going to be getting their cruise for free. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> so anyway, it's a great time. It's gamers and non-gamers alike. What we've done is, the reason why I came up with this is because I don't game at all. Hmm. And my husband is like a rabid gamer. Okay. And it's like, could you please stop dragging me to events where there's nothing for me to do <laughs> after day one? You know, so 
Anyway, he goes, well, you're a travel agent. Figure it out. So I did. <laughs> the we, light bulb yeah, went on. Yeah, and we grabbed all his gaming buddies and their wives and their kids and their relatives, and we all went on, we started to do these cruises, and it's gotten uh, bigger and bigger. Everybody has a great time, because it is, after all, a cruise. Mm -hmm. And um, How many it, people in general? Yeah. Right? Well, right now I've got reserve space for 300 people, and there's 3,000 that are available on the boat. Oh, so, wow. So, you know, we're not going to be, it's not going to be a big con on a boat. It's right. a vacation with games. And so it's very low key, it's casual, nobody's like, you know, white knuckled, head down gamer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not on this one, it's a vacation. But uh, it is a lot, a lot of fun. We've got some specials going through Gen Con. There's a coupon in there for an extra $25 shipboard credit. And uh, we also are doing one to companies or big gaming groups or clubs in that if you can find 15 people to go with you and you're willing to wrangle them every once in a while, right? I'll send you for free. Oh, hey. Okay, so. Bad deal. Yeah, so you got 15 kids, and kids, grandma, anybody counts. Gamers <laughs> and non-gamers on the 15th, so. Where can people find out more information okay. about you? Uh, or, it's strategicretreat.com, and there's a hyphen between strategic and retreat. And it's uh, kind of under construction, but you'll get most of the information right there. It does have my telephone number, email, all of that. So okay. please just give me a call, and uh, we'll <laughs> set you up. You'll have a great time. Great. And what were the dates again for the, okay. the, the cruises uh, we're doing coming the up? Mexican Riviera on February 17th through the 24th, 2008, and the Caribbean March 8th through the 15th. That sounds like a lot of fun. I know. Uh, oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Dave and I would very much enjoy uh, yeah. hanging out on a boat and playing games. You can't oh, get yeah. much better than it, that. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and and we're not, we don't have anything scheduled right now because we are tailoring our games at sea to the people that are going. I don't want to oh, nice. go, go up with a schedule that only half the people are going to want to do. So we're sending out a questionnaire. We're bringing it back. And we're making sure that you're going to have fun. I think that's a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. So now that you've heard all the interviews, uh, we're going to give you a little more personal account of the things that you know sort of caught our eye in terms of games we might have played or games that were have our wow. <laughs> the hotel is shaking. The hotel's is there an earthquake in Indianapolis? <laughs> Man, we're kind of far from some fault lines. I don't know what the hell is up with that. But so if you've got really good headphones, you probably just heard. <laughs> the table just started shaking. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> uh, but now that you've heard the interviews, we're going to kind of give you our impressions of the con and the games that caught our eyes. You know, maybe some changes from Gen Con's past, the things that just that just jumped out at us and that are going to stay with us maybe. Um, and uh, I think we can't start any place other than uh, the Spielathon. Yeah, that was just as much fun as you can possibly have. <laughs> it was great. So, um, for those of you who might not have listened to the previous episode where we kind of gave you the lowdown, um, we hosted an event that was sponsored uh, by Rio Grande Games. We had found out a few months ago that Rio Grande was not planning on coming to Gen Con or even having a booth, and that is certainly one of the main, it's not the only reason to come to Gen Con by any stretch, but it's certainly one of the driving forces for getting into that dealer's room and finding the Rio booth so you can play some of the new games that you haven't had a chance to see, let alone play. And when we found that out, we just thought that was a, a real crying shame. Right. And thought, what can we do to, to 
prevent that from happening. So we managed to team up with Jay Tummelson, the founder and president and chief cook and bottle washer at, exactly. at Rio Grande Games, and managed to cobble together this event that we call the the Spielathon, uh, as well as providing uh, uh, doing some of the legwork for Jay to have a, a play uh, demo room for the whole day at the Omni Hotel, which is where we're at right now. Um, and uh, just have all the Rio games out for people to demo for at least one day out of the convention. People could come and get their get their Rio fix. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. We we showed up over um, about ten o'clock in the morning, right when Jay was getting everything going, and uh, the room was set up great. There was ten, twelve different games, all new stuff from Rio. Um, Jay had. Um, worked out so that there was a great little spread of healthy food and drinks and everything all day long all night long so everybody was really comfortable it was it was a place where you could easily hang out and play all day and the time just flew by just flew by you had no <laughs> idea that the whole entire day was over was i just in this one room for that long <laughs> It's a good thing there were no windows, so you could just focus on the games. You didn't have to see the sun rise and fall. <laughs> exactly. So we had a great steady stream of people coming in all day long to test out Jay's game. That was from 10 o'clock in the morning till like 7 o'clock at night when, of course, Stephen and I show up to kind of take over and turn everything in as kind of a zany direction. <laughs> um, the one thing that stayed constant is all Jay's great Rio Grande games were still there, and everybody was still getting a chance to play them. The one thing that did change is that... Uh, we had kind of like a prize, like a raffle system that a we had contest. set up. Yeah, that was, um, of course, crazy because that's how we are. <laughs> um, everybody that attended got, actually got one free ticket for just showing up and saying, hey, cool, these are neat games. And then, of course, <laughs> you also got to roll dice. Big foam dice. Big, huge foam dice. Provided by one David Coulson. <laughs> exactly. And so you come through the door, you get your freebie ticket, and you get to roll a paradise. If you get doubles, you get a second ticket. It's always great to have as many tickets in, in the bucket <laughs> as you possibly can. So then you get to sit down, pick your favorite game, play with your friends, play with a lot of other Rio Grande fans or Spiel fans, yep. <laughs> you know, and play a bunch of cool games. And if you were lucky enough to come in first place or second place in any of these games, you'd have yet another chance for more tickets and more dice rolling exactly so <laughs> if you were in second place you got to roll two dice once again if you get doubles you get another ticket if you got first place you got to roll four dice and if you could get a pair out of those four dice then you'd get a ticket which happened actually quite often that was yep. really cool yep <laughs> so you kind of get the, got to weight the odds if you could win a bunch of games you could have a good chance of having uh your name drawn out of the hat or actually the dice box <laughs> at the end of the night yep. so we had a really nice spread of prizes about 40 prizes to give away including of course coveted spiel dice and spiel t-shirts yeah and then we had some um great games rage and uh, shake provided by fundex games yep. a local game company yep. here of course you know rage from their uh donation of of copies for name that game yeah so uh, kudos goes out kudos goes out to fundex for helping us out there with some other really cool games to give away as prizes and then a local game store a retailer that uh we have certainly uh -huh. have a lot of experience with the Game Preserve here in Indianapolis. Uh, was kind enough to donate some uh, copies of some Rio Grande games to give away. It was fun because we had um, they had some older titles sitting around on the shelves mm. that it was really cool to be able to give some stuff away that people are like, oh, I forgot about that game. Cool. Mm -hmm. so that was neat. <laughs> the Game Preserve's actually uh, 
how Dave and I uh, met and became friends. Absolutely. I was uh, working there at the the time in graduate school, and Dave was uh, coming in on his breaks from uh, the theater, and that's how we met each other. So. I was the geeky customer. <laughs> coming up going, oh. you got to look at this game. It's got truckloads of goober. <laughs> like, oh, God, not this Who's guy this again. this maniac? <laughs> and why do I not know him? <laughs> So thanks to the Game Preserve for their donations. And then uh, Dave and I ponied up uh, a few games to add to the pile, too. So uh, we had lots of different winners, and, and everybody was waiting with bated breath on the hour, every hour, for the, the drawing. So that was cool. The most amazing thing to me is just the, the turnout oh, that we absolutely. were able to get. Granted, we're not like the marketing geniuses or anything, and I'm sure we'll, we'll even get better over time if right. we continue to do this. But you know, we were hoping maybe 50 people. We had you know set up tables for around there, and instantly, the minute you know seven o'clock hit, we had all the tables full. We had people waiting at the door. We got to the point where we were opening up other rooms, and people were playing on the floor, <laughs> <laughs> just because we had games, but no more tables. Literally, right. no more tables in the hotel. Uh, to play, but people wanted to play Rio Grande games that badly that they were like, we'll play on the floor, no problem. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just absolutely incredible. I think it, it was it fun. Of course, I unfortunately yeah. wasn't there for the bulk of the plane because I had to leave and do a show, <sighs> yeah. but, I, but um, I did get to come in at the end of the evening and kind of <laughs> schmooze a little bit and, and help out with the prize giveaways. Yeah, Dave, Dave was like, well, can I at least give away a lot of the prize at the end? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it killed him to have to leave early, but we, we managed to man the fort without him and, and keep things rolling between Jay and, and Francie my partner in crime she did yeah. yeoman's work passing out the raffle tickets and doing the uh, <laughs> dice rolling with the the crazy contest too. She, she, i think she woke up this morning she's like for some reason my legs hurt because so i've been i had to bend over and pick up those rubber those foam rubber dice off the floor like 700 times <laughs> I was like, Oops, sorry about that francie <laughs> that was great so thanks to thanks to jay and francie obviously for that in addition to everything else, but uh, right, and I, I think that we say that this was, I think, our best part of the con. It was awesome, and it was due in part to one thing and one thing only, and that's you guys, the listeners, absolutely. and the attendees to the event. It was we couldn't have asked for a better crowd. Yeah, you made it just so fun. I mean, everybody there definitely gets into the spirit of the games in, in the same way that we do, which yeah. is you just you just love games and you want to play as many as you can and. It just made the atmosphere around the whole event just one of just pure joy, I think. It was just yeah. a, a fun time. Jay even snuck off with some lucky uh, oh. people there, and they got to play some new stuff that isn't even yeah. out yet he, and some he, prototypes. I was so green with envy. Here I am I you know, know, running the event, yeah. and he's like, come over here. I've got some new stuff to play. Yeah, does and, he sneak away with the host of the spiel? No. <laughs> no, he no. doesn't do that. No, he just take a couple listeners and a couple other attendees and they got to play what at least three yep. prototype copies of some yep. stuff that may be coming up soon <laughs> yep Derek, oh. Derek and Barb held that over yeah. our heads they're like we got to play I don't even remember all the things Darjeeling Darjeeling was one raw dice the, the raw and, dice game and oh gosh oh. Some um, medieval European Canterbury? Canterbury, Canterbury. exactly. Yeah. So we're <laughs> they they got to do something we didn't even get to do, which is great. I mean, we're great to be able to set the table for those kind of things to happen. Yeah. So uh, it, it's just the highlight of the whole convention to us was you know we were able to make it happen and to bring Rio Games to to be at least in part responsible for helping bring that to yeah. to be. So. 
thanks thanks to everybody for showing up because we certainly couldn't have, couldn't have had the event if people yeah. just wouldn't said, have worked without you who guys. Cares? <laughs> exactly. And and we had the privilege of people coming up afterwards and saying that this was probably one of the funnest things that they they did at the entire con. Yeah. Which is that's just incredible. <laughs> yeah, it just made our day to know yeah. that we we added to the con experience in some way, shape or form that, you know, they felt like they had to come up, you know, way after. It was like day after they sought yeah. us out in the dealer's room and, and said thanks and that certainly is a nice shot in the arm and, and that's cool. I think makes us want to do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think the best news is that with any luck at all we can call this the first annual Spielathon. Yeah. Yeah, Which would be really cool. I think that there's every indication from Mr. Tummelson that he wants to not only do it, but even ramp it up, you know, <laughs> several, several notches next year. Exactly. Uh, I, I just have one phrase. <laughs> Life-size dice tower. <laughs> We, we won't even go in any, into any details. His Dave's wheels are already uh, turning into uh, <laughs> how he can add to the dice rolling and crazy contests that we can do at the uh, the Spielathon next year. We uh, we talked to Jay for a little bit after the event, and we were gonna just say, "Well, how did you think it went?" And Jay began the conversation by saying, "Well, next year." We need to do this and this and this. So I know he's thinking in terms of maybe uh, having, uh, you know, an event that might last the entire length of Gen Con right. to be able to play Rio Grande we're, games. We're certainly hoping that we're still going to be a part of that. Yeah, because, yeah. Man, that was just too fun. Too fun, and you know, maybe one of those nights we'll we'll continue to be the Spielathon, and we'll we'll add just an extra little bit of Spiel spice to to the Rio Grande entree. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I was disappointed at one thing. Okay, what's that? After I came back from work, you know, came in at the last half hour. Now, see, we had these rather large, what, four or five-inch foam dice, mm-hmm. and everybody's rolling them all night. I expect to see these things just flying all over the room. I come in, people are winning games, and they're politely coming up and dropping the dice on the floor from about three foot and letting them roll around. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I expected to come in and see people swinging from chandeliers, throwing <laughs> dice everywhere. I expected to, maybe not blood, but craziness. So, so next year when we offer dice, now, I'll, yeah, we might have a dice tower, so you can't get as crazy. But feel free to just do anything you want. We want to see foam dice sticking sticking out of the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe the Omni might might not be so keen on that, but. Uh, yeah, Dave likes to encourage craziness and dice in the same sentence, so I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> now, hopefully he won't have to go play a show uh, in the evening, and, yeah, exa- and uh, exactly. he'll be in charge of the dice rolling so he can monitor that more closely Maybe next year. Maybe we could year. figure out some way to involve the hotel swimming pool. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> I, th- I think that uh, those cider and blacks are finally <laughs> starting to hit you. <laughs> exactly. Thanks again to Jay Tummelson at the, and uh, everybody who All helped pitch in yes. and made the Spielathon such a hit. We hope that we can make this an annual event. Uh, let's move on to another topic before we just get too weepy-eyed. And, yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> we can go on for days about this. <laughs> so let's talk about um, events that we either that we attended because I know okay. there was a handful that we kind of attended officially <clears throat> right. know, as the Spiel, either you and or I once okay. you start with you kind of got a chance to come in a day early yeah. and check out some stuff so they started this new thing on Wednesday the con really doesn't get going in full force until Thursday but they started this thing called the the trade day of Gen Con where they have uh, 
business owners or people in the games industry or game designers even uh, or educators or museum people uh, be able to attend these seminars that go on and discussion panels all day Wednesday and I wasn't able to attend the entire slate of panels but I did come in on uh, one of the later ones on kind of the future of gaming and the kind of intersection between digital the digital games and the tabletop face-to-face -face kind of games and it was really interesting to hear that was Peter Ackeson the head of Gen Con and former uh, head poobah of Wizards of the Coast uh, there was a guy from Sony Online Entertainment a guy from WizKids and a guy from Upper Deck uh, all in the panel and it was it was very interesting to see their impressions of where they think the world is going and the, the sort of convergence of digital technology with board games in some cases I think they were pretty close to the mark and understanding that you know these worlds are either going to they're they're colliding and are already going to be colliding but that doesn't necessarily have to be pandemonium and and reason for either board gamers or video gamers to to be alarmed that there's po real positives that can come out of this but <clears throat> it was interesting to see the the differences between the people on the panel painting this very pollyanna future of of the digital uh, world sort of co-opting board games into it and Peter Atkinson was also quick to point out that a lot of these digital elements could actually be incorporated into board games themselves where you might have you know let's imagine like a battle lore type uh, board game where you might move the units and there are little digital chips in there that make you know sound effects as you move <laughs> the pieces and things that that I mean that sounds really interesting and cool as the prices become such that that might be affordable right. to produce on a mass scale that to me the thing that that they kind of missed or that I imagine when you talk about this convergence of like digital and uh, you know the the, the physical uh, realities of games is the idea that you could create some sort of infinite game board. We've talked about this, I know, in a couple right. of news and notes and this technology kind of heading that way, that you could have a board that could be any game board that you could say, you know, have it sort of essentially like an interactive screen that is, you know, part of your tabletop or something you can just put on a table that you could say, uh, I'd like to play El Grande and it configures itself as El Grande or I'd like to play Carcassonne or any such game like that and just being sort of an infinite canvas and the, the kind of advantages or disadvantages that come along with that, I think that's that's in the offing. I don't know that it's here in five years like some right. of the people on the panel were suggesting, but I can see that maybe uh, being a, a becoming a rat reality sooner rather than later and and I don't think board gamers should or you know face-to-face -face gamers should be alarmed by that I think that'll no. just open up the possibilities of play and fun in new and different ways it can have obviously fall on his face too right. there's going to be failures and there's going to be successes and there, there was some hints at that particular technology actually in the dealer's room <coughs> that was kind of interesting that we'll talk about a little later too. right right so i did that on wednesday and that was that was interesting um moving on to uh thursday and and just did the con in general and, and the, the cool rest of the days yeah the cool thing about thursday is um officially as the spiel we got to get into the dealer's room an hour early right which our press you're like, passes you're like well what big deal is that well once you see the crowds <laughs> here that hour was incredible it was invaluable so, yeah we were actually able to do um a good hunk of the dealer's room almost a third yeah and actually be able to um, kind of set up some interviews, talk to some people, really see some stuff. Because once it opened up for real at 11 on Thursday, 
from then all the way till right now through Saturday, and I assume tomorrow is going to be the same way. It was just packed. Yeah, packed in there. It was incredible. Seemed like there were more people than than last year. I would say even on like a Thursday, which is you know I would say one of the it's, should be probably one of the lighter days right. in terms of attendance. It really did feel like there were quite a few people. Uh, at, at any given point in time, I mean, yeah. Friday and Saturday undoubtedly were were more well attended. Exactly. But the, there were throngs of people <laughs> yeah. here, and having that extra advantage to kind of run ahead of the crowd for a little bit definitely was which is kind of what, nice. Kind of what sets Gen Con apart. I mean, that excitement of thousands and thousands of people. We talk about origins and being slightly more intimate and having you know certain advantages but then you come to Gen Con and it has its certain advantages because the excitement is just amazing because you don't you don't see 30,000 gamers in one place too often. <laughs> Poised in anticipation yeah, of you exactly. know, rushing into the room. We, we had a friend uh, working at the uh, Crocodile Games booth, yeah, and I remember her saying that they opened that at eleven. She goes, "Oh my God, we're being rushed!" <laughs> <laughs> the giant throngs of gamers just running in. They're like, they weren't even stopping at our booth. They were just headed in, you know. <laughs> Get me into the dealer's room. <laughs> So we'd like to take a second out here to give a little love to our sponsor. Time well spent. .org. They've got just a great selection of games, not the, the least of which is some really cool little family games. Yes, yes. Uh, I think the most important thing to note about um, games that you can play with your family that aren't Candyland or Shoots and Ladders or the games that adults are going to be, oh my god, is this game right. ever going to end? And you wince in pain when, <laughs> you know, your your lovely little four-year-old goes, can we play this one again? No! <laughs> You're like, can't we just do something else, honey? <laughs> uh, the kind of games that Time Well Spent stocks in large variety are games that adults will not only um, enjoy, but will look forward to playing again right. and again because they have really good re replayability. Um, they carry uh, games from Selecta, Haba, Ravensburger, Playroom Entertainment, Rio Grande. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of really fine publishers of uh, games that work well for kids but are not kiddish. If right, that makes exactly. sense, they really Absolutely. appeal to a wider audience. You know, just because a game appeals to a kid doesn't mean it has to be dumbed down to the point where an adult just thinks it's so mindless they're going to shoot themselves if they play it. You know, exactly. for the hundredth time. <laughs> and, and it's not like these are a new genre of games. No, they've no. been around, but they're finally getting you know the press that they deserve. Families are starting to go back to sitting down together and playing games and. These options that Time Well Spent is offering are just so, so much better than the stuff that you can get when you go out to your local Target or your Walmart. You yeah. Know? I, mean, I know. I think it was a listener, Scotty, who was saying that uh, he has some, some kids and was uh -huh. talking about the Haba games and oh. how just how much just pure fun those games are and uh what those Ravensburger oh, yeah, they have they, that whole line where part of the game is in the box yeah, and they find all these yeah. interesting way to make like the box part, part of, the of the actual game, game yeah. board things that I mean I look at those and <laughs> I guess it just shows <laughs> I have a, the brain of a four-year-old because I'm like woo, that's neat yeah exactly because <laughs> I, I don't you know I don't currently have any kids I have a little three-year-old niece and you know kids might be in the offing at some point in our future but regardless of that these games have appeal 
to adults as well as kids and it's nice to know that you know whether you have kids or you're in an environment where you might want to have some right. games for your friends who bring kids over that you don't just have to you know put in the DVD or or make oh, the kid God. be bored while yeah. you play something else that you can involve him in the f- yeah. him or him or her in the fun exactly. and I get the feeling when I go to time well spent that that they have these games and they're selling um, selling them through experience of having played them you can tell yes. you know that they've gotten these games they've tested them out with family and friends and, right you know they, they know what they're talking about with these guys so you know if you're looking for good family fun and family kind of games you should really check out time well spent out Oregon there in their selection because it is it is a good massive selection that you'll you're not going to run out anytime soon if you're in in search of a, a cure for the Candyland blues <laughs> awesome and just a quick reminder of course the contests are still running we're almost back we were in the home stretch we're back to normal spiel world here starting next week but the contests are still running name that game uh, you can uh, go back to episode uh, 35 the one previous to this and uh, hear the name that game uh, contest and you could win a copy of Jens Heitz von Theben courtesy of uh, timewellspent.org and then the uh, connection contest exactly between Roma and uh, Babel that that's continue on our forums you can mm-hmm. log on you can tell us what the connection is you can also have a chance to read everybody else's crazy connections so that's going to be running yet one more week yep. and then we're going to finally resolve all these contests and back to life as <laughs> normal on the spiel and the spiel.net of course and remember of course uh, the mailbag is always open at steven at the spiel.net or Dave at thespiel.net. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you about our Gen Con coverage or just just any old thing that you want to talk about. And then... We participated in a panel. Yeah, on Friday, right. Yeah, on Friday, uh, put together by Don Deem of uh, the Pulp Gamer podcast, which is a, a really fine podcast, yep. a series of podcasts. They sort of do kind of a similar segment-based thing, but they kind of have separated each segment into its own podcast now. But I'd encourage you to check out uh, their podcast if you enjoy podcasts about games, which we are assuming you do because you are listening to us <laughs> at this moment in time. But uh, it was on uh, the idea of uh, reviewing games right? and uh, and how the process, the different podcasters or different people who are sort of in the media, used in the loosest form right. of in the media that we can possibly use. Yeah, uh, it kind of had representatives from four different podcasts all giving their particular views on how their podcast goes about reviewing the games all the way from... You know, deciding what game to play, when to play it, how to review it. And it was really cool because we all had four completely different ways that we go about reviewing the games. Mm-hmm. And the the process, you know, there's not a right or wrong way. It was just interesting to see how right. how different people approach that issue and uh, how they're able to get a, get it across on their show. Uh, Don's actually recorded uh, these panels, all the different podcast track panels, I believe, and they are available. We'll obviously include a, a link in the show notes, so if you want to hear what we had to say and kind of get a inside the actor's studio view, we don't tend to talk shop very much on our show. We right. just want the show to stand on its own merits or fail on its own merits. So, But if you're interested in that sort of thing, you might want to check out the... Uh, the uh, podcast that that Don's going to post of yeah. that particular discussion panel. It was actually it was actually a really good time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, something that was very funny. The um, the panels are 
usually very well attended, so Stephen and I were prepared for that, but we went into the wrong room <laughs> when, we, when we first went to look for where the actual panel was being held. And we went into a room where there were television cameras and just tons and tons. Standing room only. Standing, it was insane. We're, if we were running a minute or two late. We're yeah. like, oh my God, what the heck are Dave, we? Dave blanched, I think. He was like, holy <laughs> yeah, we, we were prepared for people, but I wasn't prepared for television, cameras, and media, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Then we were like, oh, this is the wrong room. <laughs> yeah, this is not us. Wait a minute, this is about podcasters. They're not going <laughs> to... What were we thinking? <laughs> Fool's paradise to think that we were going to get that kind of treatment. Um, but thanks again to Don for organizing yes. all the podcasting uh, track of panels. That was uh, yeah, He had a great, great lineup, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, last... But not least, other than just, this, was just tonight. Just tonight, yeah. We uh, we had there was a podcast party, podcasters party sponsored by Paul Tevis of Have Games Will Travel, and it was a nice little event over at the Hyatt. Um, got to rub elbows with a lot of different podcasters that I hadn't met before, and, and cool. kind of talk shop with a few of them, and and see some listeners and some just random people that I was able to spread the spiel gospel. <laughs> For a while, Dave, of course, was off playing the show again. Yeah, uh, darn it. That darn work in, <laughs> impeded his ability to attend the party, but thanks to Paul for uh, hosting the podcaster party. That was the kind of end of our official you know, right. appearances or, or duties at, at Gen Con. But uh, in between those those various uh, spots of appearances. Yeah, believe it or appearances. not, in between those and in between our interviews, we actually had time to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we started off, um, obviously we spent the majority of our time in the dealer's room, which has grown by at least 30%. Yeah. You know, to include a lot more electronic gaming stuff. But um, in addition to that, I think there was also a lot of other stuff that wasn't electronic that was added. I think it was organized maybe slightly better this year. Yeah. They kind of had stuff divided in areas, you know, so if if you were a CCG-er, there were a lot of those in one area. not just definitely contained to that area but right. specific areas for that there's some family areas where there's right the family fun area right. where kind of all the family oriented games were put together and right. even like a little play area which right. is nice and they, they included a lot of stuff that was previously outside of the dealer's room mm -hmm. and they moved it inside so you could kind of go in there and everything was happening in there which was really cool like the um the artist area Yes, this year. Art a show. nice, huge, big area. And right, centrally located. Centrally located, not just with one little teeny entrance, but several things. So you could just kind of wander in there through several entrances and see all kinds of just amazing artwork. You know, kind of game-related, you know, fantasy, fantasy science, science fiction, fiction, horror. horror all, it was, there's just some gorgeous stuff. If you, if you haven't been to a convention, that's one thing that both Steve and I have to recommend highly. Yeah, yeah. Because you might not think about that, but it's just really great usually most of the artists are there it's great to meet them they're they're just amazing people in addition to their talent mm -hmm. you know and there's stuff you're not going to see you know other places in a lot of cases or you know you'll be you'll ha you'll know their art but not know that you know be able to see the artist in person right. oh i've read that book and i've seen that cover before and and there's the artist right there and get to talk to them exactly. that, that's a, a kind of special 
tidbit and treat that I don't think many people, as many people take advantage of as they right. should. And I think kudos go to, to the organizers to try to put the artists a little more front and center. Same goes for authors with At, a little author right alley. Yep. It was sort of right beside there so that, that the author signings and books were right there front and center exactly. uh, for people to, to take advantage of. I thought that was a, a nice improvement. Uh, I know that I guess the artist show last year was in the con, but it was sort of kind squirreled of, right. off to the side exactly. and making it more kind of front and center and open to everything. That was, was a neat. big, big improvement, in my opinion. Another, another thing they moved in there this year was the Segway Challenge, <laughs> yes. which is always a hoot to participate <laughs> in or just watch. Yes. So that was actually in the dealer's room, and that's just too funny. Yeah, and in years past, they've had these sort of gladiatorial combat things with the the buffer the foam weapons right. you know, sort of outside live action role-playing you know medieval fantasy sort of combat things going on in separate rooms and there was at least one combat arena <laughs> that was a booth for a particular you know sponsor or vendor or company uh, where they had you know people lined up doing the uh, <laughs> the combat right there and you could stand around and watch watching nerds wail on each other with with foam swords and and uh have a good time yeah that was great and then we we kind of um hinted at some of the electronic gaming yes. that was added this year uh, we talked about kind of the meld of analog gaming and digital gaming yes and there was uh, one particular booth where they um had some great great examples of that that was um really cool basically it was a ccg style game but it was played on a grid that was being read by a camera mm -hmm. and this information was fed the information from the cards was fed through the camera into the computer processed and then the images from the cards were put on the animated screen, on the animated screen. on the screen and and your hand motions over the cards would actually dictate how right. and where the cards were deployed and things uh, it, it's an interesting concept right, exactly. i didn't feel like it was it felt more like a gimmick i have yeah, to not say not ready for prime time yet very interesting but yeah the potential you could see was there for that you know that convergence but i don't know that they've actually worked it out to the point where it's something you're just like oh man that's right the it was fun to see the direction that they're heading in yes you know but from a gamer's um, perspective when you play a card and you tap it and you expect something to happen you're not going to wait 45 seconds for the animation to come up yeah every, it's cool the first couple times and then you're like okay i've seen this dragon pop out of the card a right. thousand times let's get on with the game <laughs> exactly but kind of the peek <laughs> into what may happen is was certainly interesting yeah yeah <laughs> i you know you worry a little when you see video games starting to encroach on something that has been the celebration of games of a different sort right. but I think rather than be hostile towards it it's better to find ways in which you know you can talk about that that interesting meeting ground in the middle where right. you don't have to be I only play video games and board games and other things suck or vice versa I think the interesting thing is to just say what makes a game fun and right. that's what's really important, and it doesn't matter whether you plug it in or you play it with a piece of paper. If it's fun and it brings you into a situation where you can connect with other people, it's good. <laughs> that's my opinion. I, you right. know, I, I know other people have other opinions, but that's, that's where I would fall on that debate. <laughs> I, I noticed maybe it was just because, I, from my sense, there seemed to be more people than there were in past years. And I think just because of that, the percentage of... Um, of attendees in costumes, I think might have been a little higher 
Yeah, seems, seems you know, like I think you're right. Seems like I mean I'm not saying they they were all outlandish and over the top, but yeah. I think every a lot of people just had that had that little extra touch where they <laughs> didn't just show up in their jeans and t-shirts, and, <laughs> and that's just always fun. Yeah, I can't convince Dave. There's this guy I've seen twice <laughs> now, once last year and once this year. He's uh, you know got the shaved head going on the way Dave does, and he has glued four sided dice all over his head as though it's sort of his hairdo. Uh, he sort of looks like a walking morning star. I think that's what Francie called it. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty dang funny. But it, it actually, he pulled it off pretty well. And I think, you know, Dave, that should be your goal next year. You know, you got to one-up this guy, being Mr. Dice Man. I don't know about that. Now, <laughs> and now, if we could get 500 Spiel listeners to write in and tell me <laughs> that, that I would have to wear those dice, I would consider it. Oh, man. You don't know that I know how to send 500 emails <laughs> that look like they're from different people, do you? <laughs> you wouldn't do that. Oh, you bet. <laughs> but, um, so costumes were, were a hoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always an enjoyable yeah. part of the, the convention. The people-watching aspect is, is always endlessly fascinating <laughs> and, and amusing and fun. And it's a, such an accepting crowd. You don't have, Absolutely. within the confines of Gen Con, you don't have people going, you know. Right. You have, you know, people who are like, hey, that's that's awesome. That's exactly. cool. Everybody's going out of their way to get pictures. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just, hey, that looks so cool. Let me get a picture of this. Yeah. And I, I saw tons of families in costumes. Yeah. This year that was excellent. You know, entire four or five, you know, mom, dad, two or three kids all in costume, usually related, you know, I saw some superhero families, yeah, yep. <laughs> you know, it's just really cool. Getting into the spirit of the event, that's that's the cool thing to see, whether that means sitting down and playing board games for, you know, till, till the sun comes up and goes down again, or wearing costumes and, and, right. and getting into it, it's fun to just see everybody let, kind of let their guard down and just have fun. <laughs> exactly. And it makes you want to have fun, too, I think, that it just adds to the atmosphere in a way that's, that's only positive. <laughs> exactly. And I think I think I have to take over here for a couple minutes. Go for it. Because obviously there was a couple hours that I set aside in the dealer's room for the Colson dice hunt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, the and annual I, dice hunt. Exactly. You say. Exactly. So I just made sure I went from dice booth to dice booth to dice booth, checked out every single thing they had, and there was new stuff all over the place. And I got a great selection of new dice, all the way from metal dice, metal dice with gems. <laughs> Ultra cool. Um, faceted gems. Exactly, no faceted gems. Very cool. Um, I believe it was Coplo that had a whole series of 10-sided dice this year um, where the numbers were all were in several languages. They're, they're like words printed out. Yeah, exactly. We had German, Russian, um, Chinese, Japanese. Hebrew, Hebrew, Arabic. Arabic, exactly. Just all kinds of stuff. So those were ultra cool. Uh, let's see, what other kind of stuff? Oh. I'll mention that I finally got my wife some dice. <laughs> I, she is an elephant fan, and I found some pink elephant dice. So now, when I can get her to play a game, she's got her own dice. <laughs> she can't complain anymore about using my ugly black dice. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be so thrilled about that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, you've obviously listened to the interview um, with what's the name of the company that has the awesomely detailed dice. Oh, gosh. Uh, Qworkshops.com. Yeah. It's unusual dice.com I believe mm -hmm. so oh, obviously right. we spent a lot of time at that booth uh, they just had tons and tons of different styles and they're so intricate had to pick up a handful of those guys yeah <laughs> exactly and Chessex um, their their latest style 
is Gemini, which is the style they've had, but they're applying that style to translucent dice instead of the opaque dice. Mm -hmm. And uh, they only had two or three col um, different colors, and they're not even guaranteed that they're going to keep that in. So, of course, I had to pick up some of those because they might Limited not Limited edition dice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Red alert. Dave has to be there. <laughs> so that, that was my two hours that I kind of set aside to run madly through the dealer's room just searching for dice yeah. of all types. <laughs> he, he had a, a frantic... Uh, rush to try to find those metal dice with the gem. It's like, I know they're here, but I can't find them. I know they're here. And we, I sort of led him on a wild goose chase because I knew I'd seen them, but the dealer's room was so big, it took us way too long to find that booth. As, as it is, we walked by it at least five <laughs> oh, times absolutely. and just totally missed it. But luckily we found them, purchased some, and, and they're really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, of course, we've gotten this far into this episode and we really haven't talked about games themselves per se, wow. which is pretty amazing that, I mean, there's that, there's just that much stuff going on that sort of, it's distracting, but in the best possible sense of the word, you know, you just, there's, you know, it's an assault on the senses to have all these things that are like, ooh, there's that, ooh, there's that. <laughs> but of course, our focus is, you know, as laser focused on games as it can be given the, the distracting exactly. surrounding, so... You know, my question for you is, what what are the games that sort of caught your attention uh, at this year's Gen Con, or what did you what agenda did you go in with? You know, what games were you hoping to see, or uh, maybe you know get a get a closer look at, and and what ones maybe did you play? Uh, that left an, a lasting impression. Obviously, we're not going to go through that laundry right. list in full, but just what are the things that left a mark? You know, now that we're sort of looking back on Gen Con. Well, I think I think uh, what I try to do is obviously with our huge list, Stephen and I buy a lot of games. So when we come to a convention, we I try to play games that I'm not sure if I would buy unless I play them first. So I got to play stuff like If Wishes Were Fishes. Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, thematically looked a little light to me, so I'm like, well, let me give that guy a shot first. How can you say light when it has rubber foam worms? <laughs> that has goober all over it, dude. Well, it was awesome goober, but I just wasn't <laughs> sure about the gameplay, and we got to play a good, a good round of that, and it really is a really engaging, um, can, can have some serious depth to it game, even though the theme is kind of light. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of fun to try. Um, Mr. Jack. Awesome two-player. Everybody's saying, oh, you've got to try this. You've got to yep. try this. So we got to sit down at the Asmo Day booth and give that a run. Actually, Stephen, yeah. you got to play that with one of our listeners. Yes, so, yes. Uh, so I didn't get Michael to try it Jordal, out. Michael Jordal, I think, or Jordal. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I forget. Exactly. But, uh, we met him and his father. Yeah. And they were at the Asmo Day booth, and you guys played a game of that while I watched, and, and that did turn out. It's really neat. Oh, yeah. It was really fun. I I happened to kick his butt really quickly, <laughs> but that doesn't have I'm anything sure to do with the, my impression of the game, I assure you. I went into it, uh, I think it was another listener, Scotty Dickey in Mississippi, right, who actually uh, had played it quite a while back, and he was like, oh, I think you guys would love this game. Seek it out, find it. We looked for it at Origins and could not find right. it. And so I was very hot to trot on finding that and, and try to get to play it and have only good things to say about it. I'm looking forward to putting that on the list here cool. as soon as we can. Another game that I enjoyed was one that uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Steve and I got to check out in the game room was a little two-player game called um, Aton or Aton. Mm -hmm. Just a little two-player Egyptian-themed game. Um, took us all of... It's a queen, queen game put out by Rio Grande. Right, exactly. It took us all of, what, 
five minutes to learn. Um, I'd say it actually took us longer to learn, or longer, longer to learn than, than to actually play. play. Yeah, it was surprising. And so that was kind of, I have a lot of the Queen two-player stuff, but that was one of the ones I hadn't picked up, so I wanted to give that a test run. I didn't see it in the dealer's room at all, since it kind of is an older game. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that need is the area where you can check out board games and have a chance to play some of those. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of neat. I'm glad I got to play one of those. We were in this massive, the massive board game headquarters uh, one of the nights here at Gen Con, <laughs> and we were the only people in this entire, you know, could have fit 30,000 people here, and we're <laughs> the only ones. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. So those are just some of the highlights. We obviously played a lot more. How about you, Stephen? Did you have a couple games that you were really looking forward to, or maybe some surprises that you just popped up and you're like, wow. Well, of course, the, the nice surprise was to see Talisman on oh. display. I know you've heard the interview now with uh, Mike Mason at, of Black Industries, but you know, just having been so long since seeing uh, the real Talisman, because yeah. third edition just, I think, was a, a fool's yeah. errand. It was not, a blunder on their part. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting to see it in the flesh and sort of get to really look at it up close. Right. Um, some good, some bad, some surprises. Right. In terms of, I had Im I had expected them to actually sort of take maybe the nucleus of second edition talisman rules and tweak them and sort of give it maybe not a necessarily a Euro game feel, but sort of take a look at some of the things that made it strong, but also some of the things that might have made it not so right. strong and maybe improved on those. And I was kind of disappointed, I have to actually say, in seeing that they actually kept the roll and move mechanic almost exactly is as it is in the old game. And that was one right. of the things I was just, I totally expected them to, right. to change about uh, the new talisman because that to me turns off people who are into games that you know offer a little more than roll your dice and move your pawn granted i love talisman it's a oh, great game yes. has its it has its place in the great game lexicon and family tree in my opinion but there's there was room for improvement it was not by any means a perfect game and i was just hoping that they would see the potential in right. the game not just being good but being great and it's a little disappointing. Now I right. haven't played it, so I'm not gonna. I'm right. I'm withholding final judgment. But from the this is this is preliminary judgment right, based exactly. on what we saw. I was really kind of I was excited, surprised, and then a little disappointed right. as by, a, the, as the, huge, by the results. As huge fans of the games, we were hoping it was going to go to that next step. But we do we have to laud them oh, for yeah. for bringing a game. Of this, with this history to a new generation. Yes, especially with given you know Runebound. I think I may have even mentioned that in the interview. You right. know, Runebound and all these other sort of adventure style games. Talisman may not have been the first, but it's sort of the iconic game that really everyone thinks about exactly. and made enough of an impression that these other you know grandchildren of Talisman have have given rise to. So it's oh, fun to see it back. Ooh ooh ooh! Yeah. They were giving out Talisman promo dice. <laughs> I got a pair of those bad boys. His eyes kind of went boom when they... <laughs> they were like, would, would you like some of these? I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that would be one. The other really cool surprise was that uh, the the game at Z-Man Games booth, uh, Chang, oh. Chang, Chang Chen, Chang Chen uh, with the Great Wall of China, we had the nice interview with Claudio yep. uh, from part one. That just looks really, really interesting to me, and yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to giving that a shot um, here in the near future. I was really bummed that they didn't have that for sale yet, because I probably would have walked out of yeah. the, 
the hall with that one for sure. I know, I know that there was one game that wasn't here that you were really bummed about. Yeah, yeah. We played it uh, with Carlos, one of our listeners at uh, um, Origins, and uh-huh. that was Ubongo. Yeah. <laughs> I was I before the con even started. I was like, I'm I'm buying Ubongo <laughs> this time, and nobody had it. it. It didn't exist. It wasn't anywhere. It's like ah. So I've got to got to wait a little longer for my Ubongo. <laughs> Um, so that's just kind of a maybe a taste of some of the the gaming goodness that we got in. Any other what, final comments on sort of the gaming aspects, titles, uh, impressions from the games that we played? There, there was just so many. Hopefully, hopefully our interviews will give everybody a good idea of just the the wide gamut of crazy stuff here. But. Uh, we had a chance. We we never ever have a chance to play as many games as we want. Oh no, you never. Can, you can never play too many <laughs> games, but uh, we definitely got our fair share in this year. It was it was very fun. So we saved the best for last, I think, here on our our picks and things that we found at Gen Con. I think probably we both agree. Yes, yeah, ultra cool on this one, and and funny that it came from Green Ronin Publishing again. We tend to keep running into them at the very end of the con. Yeah, so last at Origins, it was Walk the Plank that caught our attention at Green Ronin, and this time I have to credit all credit goes to Paul Tevis, who literally ran up to me with a copy of this book and said, "You must have this book," and he was totally right. It's funny that he said he thought of us immediately when he saw this. So this is a book titled. Hobby Games, The Hundred Best. It's edited by James Lauder. It has an introduction by Reiner Knizia and an afterword by James E. Dunnigan. Now this book is actually essays, a collection of essays by a hundred of probably the world's best game designers, in my opinion, writing essays about basically their favorite games, games that they think are, you know, have influenced them or, you know, have influenced gaming in some, you know, direct way. Uh, Everybody from, you know, the obvious, you know, Alan Moons and and Reiner Knizia's to Gary Gygax to some computer uh, um, game uh, designers. I, I just absolutely can't wait to dive into this guy and read this. It's it's like every, every time we do an interview with somebody, you almost want to go, now, what's your favorite game? But you really never want to ask them that because nobody wants to say, well, my favorite game is this. But in this book, they do, a hundred of them, and they all pick their favorite games. And you read down the list of games, and <laughs> some of them are like, yeah, somebody had to pick that. And you're like, wow, yeah, that's this person's favorite game because there's like a table of contents in the front that lists every essay, you know, the the designer and what their favorite game is, and it's just a hoot just reading down that list even before you get into the actual um, articles themselves. <laughs> yeah, so we have uh, Mike Selinker on Bonanza, uh, Tom Jolly on Citadels, Bruno Fiduti on Cosmic Encounter, Andrew Looney on Cosmic Wimpout, Alan Moon on Descent. Uh, Richard Garfield on Dungeons and Dragons, and you know the list just goes on and on. I think anyone listening to this podcast would instantly be interested in you know the the depth and the breadth that this book you know covers. And you can tell by some of the games that Stephen just listed off that um, they're choosing as their favorite games. This is very current. Obviously, yeah. this just came out. People picking Descent, you know, games have barely been out a year or two. Right. So that's. I can't wait to read this. Yeah, so again, the name of the game is Hobby Games, The 100 Best. It's put up, put out by Green Ronin Publishing. And uh, 
you know, imagine us as as if you know Paul Tevis came running up to us <laughs> at Gen Con. Imagine us running through <laughs> the speakers at you with this book, saying, exactly. "You want to? You should yeah. check this out at the very least and see if it's something you're interested in." Because I think anyone as into games as you are, if you're listening to our podcast, you would probably find this of yeah. interest of at some level, shape, or form. I would right. think. If you're, you're going to respect anybody's opinions on what they think the, the best right. games are, it certainly is the, uh, some of the most prolific game designers of our time. Right. Even if you find that you disagree with them, I think it's interesting to see you know, where they stand, and you can you know, kind of riff off that and see whether or not you might like, the, right. like their decisions or, no, or not like their choices. Uh, the book uh, retails for, uh, I think, $25. Cool. It's a trade paperback uh, size book. And uh, you know, if if uh, something I think we we neglect to do sometimes, if you find something that we talk about on the show that is of interest to you, you know, let them know that you heard about it on the spiel, because yeah, we absolutely. get we get good feedback from them, then that they can say, hey, why did we suddenly start selling copies of this book? <laughs> It'd be kind of cool for them to know that you might have heard about it on the spiel, and 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 you know, via <laughs> we have to give credit to Paul too for right. <laughs> for letting us know about it. <laughs> he scooped us on, on it, but I'm certainly glad that he let yeah. us know so we could let you know. <laughs> so the only bad part would be that when you're done reading this, you'll probably have a hundred more games that you're need, uh, that you'll need to buy. But is that really a bad thing? No. Okay. <laughs> After the games, of course, uh, we had to duck into the auction and check out see if there are any good deals or steals that we can could do there. Uh, find some, you know, unexpected things. You just never know what exactly. you're going to find. I think this year is one of those cases where you never know what you're going to find, and sometimes you find nothing. Right, exactly. It, it really felt like kind of a down year from our perspective in terms of right. the things we look for. I don't know if it's our, if our timing was just off and we got in there when uh, there was stuff that we weren't interested in or whether we just have so much damn stuff now <laughs> that, <laughs> well, it's, that it's hard to find there is that, that. <laughs> that gym that, we, you know, that you're missing. But, uh, but it, was, it was certainly a popular venue. Oh, yes. Every time I went in there, it was just absolutely cramped. And it was run, even, I would say it was run even more efficiently yeah, than the year before. Definitely. It just happened to be, it's just potluck. But that's why you go. You don't go right. knowing that you're going to find something. You go to just see what they have. And sometimes you're going to find some good stuff, and sometimes it's going to be not so good or just exactly. you know the stuff they're auctioning just doesn't fit with what you want to find on your shelves at home so but i would still encourage you to check out the auction if you oh, get yeah. the chance because you'll you will not be disappointed with the experience if not, if only just to see the uh, the sort of cavalcade the parade of of different old games right. kind of go across the stage for for you know an hour spend at least an hour yeah at at, an, at one of the auctions sometime. yeah look, look at their schedule Go there when you when there's the, a type of game that you're interested in. Yes, and that hour will fly by. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so before we uh, put a lid on uh, Gen Con 2007, uh, just overall impressions of, of the con, and maybe you know, are there any differences or, or memories that you're going to be left with, uh, you know, concerning this year in particular, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll. Put, put this kind of, Gen Con coverage to bed and, and get back to our normal spiel for the rest of the year <laughs> exactly. here. Exactly. Well, I, I think we're both going to suffer some withdrawal after <laughs> this weekend because after Origins and Gen Con being so close together, it's going to, when a month goes by, it's going to feel weird not to go to a convention. Yeah, yeah that's you know? very true. <laughs> so, uh, but um, this, this particular Gen Con uh, had some things that were just amazing the size. It just keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing. We, we, you hope that it doesn't get so big, 
you know, that it gets out of control, but how can it be too big? <laughs> you know, I mean, the more gamers in one place at the same time, the better. You know, so my, my overall thing, the, the first thing when you walk through the door, that's the first thing you notice is, oh man, could this be any bigger? <laughs> so that, I think the difference between this year, especially in comparison to having just attended Origins, mm -hmm. you know, that's no comparison there in size. Right. You know, right. Not, not comparing quality or different styles of conventions, but yeah. just size alone, wow. Yeah. For ability to play many, many games, I think Origins probably has Gen Con beat. If yeah. you're looking to sit down and play lots of different board games just because you don't have to fight the crowds, but Gen Con probably has the edge as far as just, uh, you know, exposure to a wider variety of things, both game and game related and sort of geek culture <laughs> related, that you're going to be involved in a, a much larger slice of the, the nerd community. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is always just a fun. And of course, if Steven thing. and I have a hand in it at all, we would love to push <laughs> Gen Con towards that origin style of. You know, being able to just sit down and play board games. Right, and if we can have that impact in even a small way with helping Rio Grande, you know, establish a presence, not just having a booth in the dealer's room for a few hours, but with this other thing that we've kind of started the ball rolling right. at the top of the hill, and we'll see what kind of momentum it has. It feels like we've got a head of steam now, and yeah. it would really be fun to see that Rio Grande. Okay, so ignore the air conditioning that just kicked on. Wow. Okay, so you heard the air conditioning uh, kind of kick on and destroy the mood that we had going. <laughs> yes. So we've moved to another room, which is cold as hell. Yep. We're actually in the room that the Spielathon was in. Exactly. <laughs> Back, we've come full circle here. <laughs> <laughs> so ap very apropos. <laughs> so I, I would say my biggest wrap-up of the whole convention is uh, people. Yeah. You know, the, the, the attendees at the whole con are just amazing. They continue to blow me away. <laughs> I mean, everybody's so into the, the to this hobby. It's just a pleasure to be around this many people that enjoy the same things that you enjoy. Yeah, and they're passionate about it in totally different ways than we are. Right. And that's, you know, they're, they're letting their freak flags fly, <laughs> <laughs> and we're just fine with it. You know, nobody's going to look... Uh, you know, askance at you because we're all here just to have fun and right. to enjoy whatever aspect of this this great hobby that gaming is. You exactly. know, can we, be. <laughs> we love all the attendees, but obviously we have to pay special homage to our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> we got to meet tons of listeners. Some that we um, had the pleasure of meeting at Origin. Yes, and a lot of um, listeners that, that first time meets here at Gen Con. Yeah, including the last Emperor of Planet Earth. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, I mean, how many chances do you get to meet an emperor? Exactly, and. <laughs> What, what was his, like, one thing that he wanted to impart to the listeners? <laughs> he thought that the spiel didn't have enough sex. <laughs> I didn't know that we had any to begin with. Yeah. That's a little alarming, I have to yeah. say. So, I'm not sure if we need to work on that or not, but... <laughs> please, please not for now. <laughs> Unless we can, you know, put the porno soundtrack. I really don't think that's what people want. I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say that. <laughs> Sorry, your majesty, but we're making a judgment call here, <laughs> and it's not in your favor. <laughs> But I would totally agree. I mean, it's I'm just constantly amazed. We're you know a year and a half into the show, and the reaction that we get from just total strangers coming up to us saying, "Hey, I listen to you, and you make my commute 
great and just having that experience uh, during the con and being able to just sit down and game with total strangers and you feel like hey they, these are people you could just have over to your house Absolutely. Not, not listeners just people from the throngs just sitting down right. and saying hey let's play a game and you know almost to a person finding that experience to be just yeah. a, a pleasant one yeah, every single attendee to our little spielathon I would be like come on over you know yeah. Let's have let's have a slice of pizza in game. Yeah, <laughs> I think my favorite memory of the, the, the lasting memory will be being at the Spielathon and and being there with with Jay and seeing the his eyes sort of light up when people would come in to, to the room and his first thing was, "Hey, you want to play a game? You want to play a game?" <laughs> he's he's right there ready to play a game. Absolutely, he's a, he's as excited about it as we are, and the people there are just as excited about it as he is. And, exactly. You know that's just such a nice convergence of, of I, I'm sounding all warm and fuzzy here and that's I've sort got, of I've got a tear in my I, eye I know it's sort of <laughs> vomit inducing the, you know when you say stuff like that out loud but the, to me that's what'll what'll last with me is yeah. that kind of you know camaraderie you know exactly that you can't replace that that'll that'll last from with me for a long time and and to know we were part of pulling that together which yeah. is cool it was great <laughs> oh gosh does that actually bring us to the end I think it it probably does. We've got a whole other year to look forward to Gen Con 2008, and who knows where we'll be at, as Spielers oh. by then. <laughs> Hopefully wiser and a little older, unfortunately. <laughs> the, the, the older's guaranteed, and with, with, with me especially, the wiser is a guarantee. Yeah, a little balder, perhaps. <laughs> But uh, we'll we'll have had more fun and played a lot more games by the time exactly. we get around to 2008, and that's what really counts. <laughs> exactly. So we hope that you guys have enjoyed um, this coverage of Gen Con 2007, yeah. because if you couldn't tell by hearing us, we had a blast. Yep. I know it probably seems like we're convention podcast all the time we're, we're itching to get back to our regular format and you know we don't want to, to indicate that we're going to become you know so convention heavy that we've lost sight of the real right. <laughs> real reason we get together every other week to talk in your ears here but um, I hope that you find this as fun as we do bringing it to you because we have a blast you know kind of giving you a sense of the gaming community as we experience it here in the in the states and that you might be able to take some of that with you no matter where you are um, I guess the, the one last thing I'd like to say is the global nature of things oh, you know okay. we talk to people from Poland we right. talk to the Gen Con Australia people we talk to a game designer from Italy we talked to another one from Israel, Israel right uh, to me, it just shows how the reach of, of the sort of gaming universe is, is, you know, there are all these sort of pockets of gamers, exactly. and they're all starting to, to come together, not just here at Gen Con, but, you know, we hope that, you know, one of our pie-in-the-sky things is we hope to be at Essen here within the next year or two and, and be talking to you, have a spiel report from Essen. Oh. That would just be beyond our wildest yeah. dreams if we're able to pull that off, so... Uh, the the global nature of gaming and how you know we get such great response from listeners around the world that we don't want to be American centric in saying you know haha you can't do this because you're not in the right. states it's more to kind of bring across that this community of gamers is not just alive and well here but I think it's growing everywhere it, and absolutely. Uh, you know I, I it's fun to be you know just a tiny fraction of a sliver of a minutia part of, the, of that you know <laughs> right. in some in some way shape or form and, and that's cool yeah I agree it's, it's amazing 
So without further ado, we'll put this uh, put a lid on Gen Con 2007. Thanks for listening as always, and thanks uh, ever so much to Jay Tummelson and uh, Rio Grande Games and to timewellspent.org, our uh, intrepid sponsor. <laughs> I'm Stephen Conway. And I'm David Coulson. So remember, whether it's the roll of a die, the turn of a card, or the flip of a tile, you don't have to play to win. You, you just, just have, have to, to play. play. I guess it just shows I have a, the brain of a four-year-old because I'm like, woo, that's neat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>